Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll saw the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Welcome to another episode of the RGM Experience Podcast. Hello, guys. And girls. And people all over the world. How are you doing, Yoni? Ah, here we go again. Yeah, it's been a... It's been a week. Last week was my birthday, so I hit it hard. Last weekend. So this week's been a bit... Ugh. When you're a man of a certain age, hangovers last for a long time. And um, I'm, I'm okay now. I'm okay. How are you, though? You know what I mean? Yeah, welcome to another episode of the RGM Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'll uh, quit my indulgence and um, crack on with the show. Yeah, today we have Jen and the Degenerates. Uh, we have a great chat with, with the guys. Just off tour with Skunk and Answer. Amazing. Uh, we have a great good chat. We talk about pronouns and the labelling of gender identities and that kind of stuff. Um, it's also the, the role that us older folk play in that conversation as well. People that didn't grow up with, um, you know, all these different identities. And it's not always easy for us guys, just, you know, to, to initially get your head around it all and, and, and work out what's going on there. But, you know, you, you've got to, li- you live and learn, don't you? And these conversations are great for people like me uh, to learn more about it. And it's, we have a chat about as well. It's, it, we, it's, we need a safe space to have conversations. And if people of my generation make mistakes every now and again, that's fine too. But we've all got to live together and learn and be as one. Fascinating conversation. Absolutely loved it. Um, you know, the band's just come off tour with Skunk and Ansi, so they've, they've got loads of stories to tell. They've got loads coming up, loads of festivals and that kind of stuff. Uh, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for our episode with Jen and the Degenerates. So what's been going on on RGM this week? I'll tell you all about it. Uh, loads of festival news coming up. We've just had a feature come out from Bearded Theory. We're going to be covering that this year. We've also announced our Tromlines pre-gig. Uh, now, every year at the Frog and Parrot in Sheffield, we always have uh, a pre-Tromlines fringe uh, shindig down at the pub. Um, and it's no different this year. So we've just announced that on the RGM socials as well. So have a look at that. It's all free entry to get in. And... Recently, I've just finalised the Friday uh, stage as well. I do Thursday and Friday at the Frog and Parrot for the Tramlines Fringe. Um, so, yeah, it's mank heavy. Some great bands that you wouldn't necessarily see in Sheffield. 
So it's a great opportunity for the talent of Manchester to shine in Sheffield. I've not announced it yet, so I'll uh, I'll keep you hanging on that one a little bit. But it's a cracking lineup, and I can't wait. Yeah, this Saturday as well, ladies and gentlemen. RGM Live is back at Gulliver's. I've been at the castle for most of this year. Uh, mainly because I slept a little bit and um, forgot to book dates in advance for Gulliver's and they were they were fully booked uh, way in advance. So um, I'm really happy to be back at Gulliver's. Um, this Saturday, 21st of May, uh, we've got headliners Superior Moza, Harpens Craft supporting, and, an, an, and a really you know new band that I'm really intrigued by, Midnight People. Uh, that I'm really looking forward to catching. So we've also got a gig deal on, ladies and gentlemen. If you buy two tickets, you get a third one for free. It's hard work out there at the minute. The higher cost for venues has gone up dramatically since COVID. I mean, like, proper dramatically. Nightmare. Um, so as a result of that, we've had to put the ticket prices up to eight quid. And people are skint at the minute. It's a nightmare out there, you know, people are worried about the bills, people are students, you know, a lot of students come to our gigs, you know, there's not much money flying around the the old world at the minute. And we get that. So we, just, we want to put an offer on. Let's put an offer on. So this Saturday, it's three for two uh, for the gig. So if you buy two tickets online before Saturday, uh, you'll get an email from me asking for the third person's name. I'll stick them on the list. I'm on the door. So if you if you want to come and have a chat, come and say hello. Uh, down at Gulliver's this Saturday, the 21st of May. Why not? And the Sunday after, the day after, uh, the RGM stage is uh, again at Gulliver's for After All Festival. Uh, five stages, five different charities celebrating, um, you know, the, all the music and the talent that goes on in Manchester. Um, it's it's marking the anniversary of the f- fifth year anniversary of uh, the Manchester bombing at the Arena too. So it's raising money for five great charities. Uh, we're sponsoring a stage at Gulliver's on Sunday the twenty second. So if you haven't grabbed a ticket yet, feel free to do so. There's loads of bands on. It's going to be great. Starts from about four or five o'clock ish into the early hours on a Sunday night. I know, I know. Uh, but we're proud sponsors of the festivals and we can't and we can't wait to come and join you all down there. So that's the update from RGM this week. Loads going on. Hop on to rgm.press this week if you're after looking after finding some new music. Can't speak today. As always, it's a pleasure to produce these podcasts and to uh, catch up with you every week. Um, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado... Jen and the Degenerates. Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of the RGM Podcast. I'm here in my little yellow booth here in Manchester, uh, on my birthday, having a drink with a band, ladies and gentlemen, that are just going through the motions at the minute. I'm with Jen and Sean from Jen and the Degenerates. Hi guys, you all right? (laughs) Yeah, again, it's a mouthful, isn't it? It it, it is a little bit. It is my first drink, though, I promise you as well. <laughs> it's my birthday so I'm allowed so yeah hi thanks for joining us again Jen I've done you know I'm, I'm really enjoying the journey of the band the first time I ever saw you in real life was down at off the record when you when you went to the one of the forums that we were in 
uh, in, an, in and amongst the I, I remember you being very vocal with asking excellent questions to the panelists and just being a real personality and I came up to you <laughs> after just to say hello because I thought you were great oh yeah no I remember that that was a good day yeah I was just trying to take the opportunity to like learn as much as I could when yeah. I'm at, whenever I'm at that place those kind of things I'm always really mm. interested to see what people have to say yeah where do we find you today then guys where are we in our oh. flat <laughs> and where's that it's in Liverpool oh in Liverpool you live in Liverpool oh brilliant yeah. okay so I just we want do to go- have one of us is in Manchester yeah. JR Basis lives in Manchester so he's probably somewhere nearby oh okay brilliant brilliant well I just wanted to <laughs> go back a little bit and delve into uh, both your music histories, really. So, Sean and Jen, just talk us through your journey and and how how did music grab you? Uh, and particularly, how did it? How did you make the decision that you're going to go into this fucking horrendous music business of ours and try and make a career out of it? <laughs> Well, Do you want to go first? Well, I feel like you should start because you guys. So the band was kind of already all knew each other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me personally, like I like got into music pretty pretty early. Started quite seriously listening to music around mm. seven or eight. Um, getting into kind of uh, you know kind of the more mainstream like alternative bands stuff like Green Day, you know. Um, and then got my first guitar at nine. Mm. Uh. My dad's and my grandpa both play guitar, so it's kind of a thing. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I guess sort of struggle with that for a while because I think when you're not actually playing with people, it's hard to motivate yourself with that. I think. And then, and then at high school, met Jay, who's in our band, and and a couple of other guys. And, and started, Evan, you, oh, we knew well, Evan, you met Evan, but he wasn't in your band. Yeah, yeah, and we started just playing like basically like metal in in a garage in jay's garage together and then that was it like everything else flew out the window xbox everything like all the kind of shit that you're doing at 13 like all that went out the window and it was yeah. like just just play music that was it um and i think i already wanted to do it before then anyway i was i was already like that's the thing that i want i want to do that i want to be is is a is a musician or or more accurately, a rock star, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to be more specific. Um, and then, and then, yeah, it's weird. It's okay. weird in it music when it when it when it kind of when you when you find music, you know, it's never going to leave you, don't you? I've, I've said this over many podcasts, and it's a bit cheesy yeah, thing to say, absolutely. but it's real. It's a real thing. It's a real emotion, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Our cat's complaining at us because when he's not getting any attention. Yeah, <laughs> mine's, mine's downstairs complaining at me at not getting any attention as well. <laughs> so, talk, See, talk. if anyone can hear forlorn meowing, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. awesome. That's good. That's good. So, uh, and what about your journey, Jim? Um, so I, I um basically just wrote songs by myself. Hmm. Uh, I well, I've been kind of singing always. I was a really, I was quite like a an odd kid um <laughs> really i've never been <laughs> i got um on one of my um parents days my teacher told that like year four teacher told my parents that i was too bohemian and they needed to iron it out of me so i could so, so i would function better at school uh they didn't how, uh, how, how, how did what is what is a bohemian child describe that experience to me well, this is, this actually leads me. This is one of the things I used <laughs> yeah. to sing. I used to sing everything I did, so mm. I've always sung. But it was not. I mean, it was more of a pest 
like it was yeah it was more of like an annoyance for everyone around me for the first part of my life like I'd be I'd be like I'd walk up the stairs and be like I'm walking up the stairs two <laughs> steps two steps for yeah. like just this constant like there's vi- there's videos of me I must have been unbearable honestly I still do that to myself I'm 25 <laughs> <laughs> Cute at the start, but you can see it starting to get a bit annoying after a few years. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah literally. So I was like that and then managed to eventually channel that into some actual songwriting, which um, was, I think, a relief to everyone. And then I, yeah, I just wrote songs by myself for a long time. So the, um, the, the bohem- just sticking with the bohemian bit, though, what kind, what, how did that manifest itself? Just talk me through, like, how that was at school and, you know, so I'd always oh. I'd always come to school in like combinations of like pajamas that I thought were comfy and like dressing up clothes. Okay. And um I could I never stopped talking. Mm. Um very and very uh yes, just like not never deliberately malicious and never deliberately trying to uh cause trouble, but mm. just I it was like my brain I just didn't understand, like, for example, once I got told off and I got put in detention at lunchtime mm-hmm. and the detention was like this big hall space and it was only me there. And so I just started doing cartwheels because I, I didn't see any reason why I shouldn't. Like, I wasn't trying to be naughty. I was just like, I've got all this space, so yeah. I'm a bit bored, so I'm going to do cartwheels. And that got me in more trouble. So it's that kind of thing of just not really just, yeah, very, very... um <laughs> I don't know, in the moment, impulsive, maybe. It, 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 it annoying how, like, society tells us we need to be a certain way. When you're just, mm. you know, innocent, just wanted to do a fucking cartwheel. Yeah. <laughs> and and someone seem, deems that, like, inappropriate. Yeah, the yeah. The world's like, an horrible I, place I sometimes, isn't it? I was at home, so I, I think it was a bit of a... I was confused because at home I, I, like, ran free. I, like, spent mm. all my time in the garden... I never wanted to wear clothes. I just wore wellies all the time. Yeah. And then I go to school and suddenly I had there were all these things I was supposed to do and know already that I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe you didn't wear clothes because they were uncomfortably wore wellies. Wellies are really <laughs> <laughs> Let's delve like into wellies. this. Let's get let's get well, to the bottom of this. Especially on best. I, you know what I did always used to wear them without socks, which is something I look back oh, now and I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> but I hated socks. I hated socks. I liked wellies. Wellies without socks is worse than socks. Yeah, That's I don't terrible. know what I was playing at really, but I don't know what why I did that. But. <laughs> I, I, I want to stick with the wellies thing, but I don't think there's any point. There's nothing else to find there, is there? Fair, fair <laughs> <laughs> so I have to be being uh, described as a bohemian child at school then. How did you know music start to get into your blood and that kind of stuff then? Well, my dad and my mom both into music. Mm. Uh, my dad especially, like, you know, he's really into old school blues and mm. he's into, like, a lot of, like, you know, virtuoso guitarists and, and songwriters and that kind of stuff. And my mum also loves, like, singer-songwriters. So I kind of picked up the, the songwriting thing from, from listening to that because that mm. would always be on in the house. And apparently, I don't remember this, I asked my mum, I decided I was going to write a song as a kid and I came and asked my mum, what what can I write songs about? Um, and she was like, whatever you like, <laughs> just, mm. just crack on. And I did, yeah. I remember thinking that was quite inspiring, the fact that you there weren't really any rules to it. I suppose it appealed to me mm. having the conflict of rules I didn't understand at school 
to be able to just do whatever I wanted with my with my songs. Um, and yeah, became a good outlet for things as I became a a, a sulky teenager. Yeah. It became a yeah, it became a good outlet and ways to to process and understand my experiences as I got older. And then I came to uni and I met the boys and they were like, Oh, you're quite good at that. Mm-hmm. Do you wanna do, do you wanna do some some songs of us as well? And I was like, Yeah, right. Okay, so you so you kinda of joined Sean's band then at the time? Well no It was more of like a they had yeah, we, we, like basically I think we all kind of like made music in different capacities here like I, i'd already been in two bands with jay our bass player and then me and jake at like college and uni jake's our guitar player um we had made just we just recorded our own songs for like different things whether it was like heavier kind of metal like more metal type stuff or, or hardcore or we were doing like uh songs with a with jay um that were more kind of alternative rock stuff and then we kind of met jen and we hung out and became friends and she was like oh well i you know do these like acoustic songs and do open mic nights and stuff and we were like oh we'll we'll, we'll record them for you and it really it started out it, it was less abandoned it was more just me and jake being like oh we'll like produce mm. the songs that you write and yeah. then it just kind of by accident turned into a, a a collaborative band so like yeah. kind of equal parts yeah we um, weren't really we, were, we weren't really a band until we'd left like kind of the last very last bit of uni and left uni in fact i think it was the, the final member evan joined after we'd already left uni yeah yeah it was but we um we'd all just hang out that's just what we did to like pass the time is we'd um we'd get cans and sit in jake's much to his chagrin because it always ended up really messy We'd sit in Jake's uni room and just write songs together just for something to do, really. Yeah. And were you called the Degenerates then? Or did that all come, the name of the band, did that come after? I think it all just... It was. I can't, I can't remember. It's probably, it probably it probably appeared at some point. It, it is quite a blurry time as university yeah, okay. is. Okay. often want to be. Fair <laughs> dues, fair dues. Yeah. And how did you get your name in the front of it then? How did that conversation? I don't know. There's there's various. I can't remember. Look, sheer luck. Yeah, I can't remember what, <laughs> how we decided it. We've got a friend who claims that they thought it up when they were drunk. I but who's that? Joey. Oh. Joey claims that, that she thought I'm, of it. I'm not sure about that. I'd, I I couldn't tell you to be honest. Okay. But yeah. We have we have a we have a you know someone claiming it as their as their yeah. creation. So maybe they'll. Um, Oh, a different Maybe band somewhere in the world. Back a few years and demand a percentage, but there's a, there's another Jen and the Degenerate somewhere in the world. No, I don't think no, so. No, I don't think so. Okay. No, there's not many Genevieves to start with. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're there's not that many to become then Degenerates, and I feel like usually the uh, you know socioeconomic positioning of most Genevieves is probably not. Um, the kind of people who are going to become degenerates. I wouldn't expect so. I think the rest of them are probably even posher than me. <laughs> Fair enough. It's just pretty posh. It's hard to do. <laughs> so we are in this music industry and it's renowned for being one of the hardest industries in the world. And I can remember following you back, following you before, you know, your successes of your recent tour with Skunk and Nancy and everything, where you were really frustrated with the opportunities that were there for uh, particularly... Mm-hmm you know, women in the music industry as well at, at that point. I can remember seeing 
posts about you know how hard it is and that kind of stuff. I'm I'm going to give up. I'm going to carry on that kind of stuff. I remember you being very vocal about that online. How how do you feel that is now compared to how it was back then? Like going back maybe three or four years or whatever. I mean, I think I think it probably is still. I think it probably is still pretty difficult at that entry level. Mm. We just put, ended up putting on our own shows. That's what worked for us and then built up a fan base that way. I think um, a certain amount of like, like things like TikTok have kind of democratized like music a lot more. Like you can just kind of put in a lot of graph there and build a following there, which, mm. you know, there was social media and stuff before, but I think that's been the most potent thing for the music industry in a while. Uh, the development of that app and then I think once you get past a certain bit you, you're you're fa- still facing challenges but they're different challenges um and that you know there'll be different challenges based on all the various intersectional parts of your personality so for example there m- might be another person who identifies as a woman who has a completely different experience as me mm. you know like a black woman might have a way harder time like I know um, our label mates, Nova Twins, had a really hard time being taken seriously as a rock act because they were not only women, they were black women. So mm. people would often try and, you know, pigeonhole them into another genre or something. So I think there are always challenges and it's, it's you know, they're reflective of the challenges that everybody outside of the industry is facing as well. So, yeah, it's just not, it's not something that's going to really disappear in three years, unfortunately. So it, is it not necessarily you know, more difficult for, for women these days. It's more difficult for people that identify as whatever they want to identify as, using the, the whatever pronoun they want to be. I mean, I think that's definitely a challenge, like mm. being, you know, perceived in the, you know, if you're not in the, a binary gender, I think that can be really difficult. I think it still is difficult for women, mm. but I think our personal challenges has changed. I think people who are in the position we were in three years ago are probably say, facing similar challenges to us but we're now slightly further along. So we're not having people go, oh, no, you can't play our show, uh, you know, our basement show or whatever. But, you know, you get the flip side of maybe potentially tokenism is the thing that we're up against the most now is people only wanting us on stuff because it fills a quota, which is, which is, you know, can be frustrating in its own right. And then I'm sure we'll get to the next level of the industry and there'll be another issue that we're pissed off about. Like, (laughs) I think the reality is it's like different, you know, there's different difficulties for every, like every different group of people, whether it's like, you know, like every, whether it's race, gender, Mm. class. uh, Yeah. Class is a huge one in the music Mental health, disability, neurodiversity, like Mm. any, you know, and unfortunately the more, (laughs) the more cross sections you kind of overlap and tick tock, like tick off, it's, it's, the harder it's going to be. I think you know, for different reasons. Um, what what was it like? Uh, grow, what was it like growing up for you, Jen? Just not not really knowing or settling on an identity. What was it like for you personally? Um, I don't know. It probably added to my the fact that I was quite bohemian. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I just I remember wanting to be a tomboy at one point and being like, that's that makes sense. And then. I remember leaning really into being feminine a bit when I got a bit older, like into my teens, because I kind of realized that it could, you know, it was almost like drag. Um, mm. And it also realized that it would help my career to be perceived that way. And then I think more recently, I've just been like, okay, well, I'm just going to do, just going to do what feels comfortable to me. 
and uh if it doesn't help my career then that's there's no there's no kind of like le- legacy that I could leave with my career that would be worth living inauthentically so that kind of sure was the thought process I guess what I find absolutely fascinating about it all I, I'm a bloke of a certain age I've turned 44 today um and the whole discussion around pronouns I just I don't see why people get angry about it I don't see even like like there's a lot of blokes in the music industry at my age that don't get it but you don't have to get it why 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 do you why do you why do you you give a shit I I, I don't understand the whole um I don't know the negativity that surrounds it people just let people be what they want to be I I just I just don't I don't get it I don't know what more to say it's it's a small ask really yeah I mean like you say in the music industry wasn't there recently the um one of the bookers, the one who books for Bloodstock, there was a whole mm. controversy over that because she'd sent an email to someone saying, you know, complaining if anyone, any acts, like, asked me to use the, you know, specific, like, pronouns, like, they pronouns or whatever, you know, blah, 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 all this, you know, and people kicked off rightfully, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's a small ask, <laughs> really. It is a small ask, and but, but I can, in a little way, understand people my age or a bit, bit older that, that don't understand it and question it just because they don't know anything about it. It's relatively new to them. And I, I, I think it is, I think some people in our, in, in my generation do get hounded quite a lot because they're not very articulate. They, they're probably saying things the wrong way. I, I, I'm a big advocate to let people make a mistake with it. So, you know, I'm sure when I've interviewed people in the past and I've chatted to people around uh, sexuality, whatever it may be, that I've stumbled across sentences and not said things the right yeah. way, and 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 I think I, I think there should be a safe space to allow us to be uh, to make mistakes too, as part of the whole conversation, just to make things easier for everybody. Hundred percent. I mean, mistakes are the only way that we really anyone mm. ever makes progress. Yeah, you can't even have progress without mistakes. Like, I think it's it's that thing of like you have you have like you have to let people make mistakes, but also then those people have to be happy to be corrected. I mm. think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. always I'm always happy to have a conversation about things mm. as long as the conversation stays respectful. And I think that's kind of the way you've got to be, just in general. I uh, social media is a big a big issue because it really you can't read tone. It polarizes people. Yeah. You have to condense really complex nuanced things down into bite sized chunks. And it also it's performative. Like I think that's something that people forget a lot about social media is you're not just saying this to that person you're saying this to that person in an audience of hundreds potentially thousands of other people and so often you find the people who are getting the angriest aren't even the the, the group that's you know dealing with the the prejudice it's someone who wants to look like they're on the side of the people dealing with the prejudice yes. so for example if someone might have misgendered someone by accident I think it's rarely the people who've been misgendered getting mm. furiously angry with someone who is just, you know, it's a genuine mistake. And yeah. it's often, you know, cisgendered people who want to go, look, look how not, look how like what a great ally I am. I'm going to be really horrible <laughs> to this person who's made a genuine mistake. So everyone knows what a great ally I am and I can win the liberal of the day badge. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, everything it, just seems so separated. Politics, postcodes, music types what social media posts you put out um life shouldn't life shouldn't be left or right should it there's got there's got to be a different way of 
us as humans communicating together and having conversations. And that's why I've changed my podcast to go more long, uh, to go more conversational instead of like, like a lot of interviews are just like 15 minutes things and the stupid questions. And they'll just ask you about your band. Where did you get your band name from? And blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's it. How's your album? Yeah. Tick, check next off type thing. But that's why I wanted to have conversations with people and learn myself for, for for one. I know I need to work on my communication skills and, and this podcast helps me. Um, and I love speaking to new people all the time. And this podcast goes out every week. So we, I have to force myself into conversations as well sometimes to understand people and to understand what the world's like these days. It's a fascinating place, a divisive, horrible, nice place at times that we live <laughs> yeah. in, isn't it? <laughs> 100%. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty wild time to be alive, to be honest. Are you, like, are you enjoying it at the minute, though, guys? Yeah, having a great time right now. It's horrible to say, considering the the context of world events, but we're we're having a ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. What are you what are you binge watching at the minute to make it a bit lighter? Are you watching the Johnny Depp trial? We're not. Well, I'm not. No, I've not. I've seen oh. some tweets and stuff about it. I'm just. I'm really hesitant to, you know, have a public opinion on it because I okay. feel like with. with with celebrities, bin doctors and stuff, you never really yeah, know what's yeah, going yeah. on. Well, it does a, look like courtroom. she's more in the wrong, but is it just because he's more famous, he's got more money to put towards a good PR team? Who knows? Yeah. But it's, a, it's a courtroom, though. Uh, yeah, that's true. That, that, that's, that's why I'm fascinated with it, because it, it, it's real life, and both sides are going to equally be able to get have their own say. I th- that's I, true. I, th- I think it's fascinating, that dynamic, to be live and to see people's real life just exposed that way yeah true that is always fascinating as many you know a lot of things when people are really put on display in their kind of rawest form it becomes a very like fascinating document i think yeah the ethics of that are questionable but it's always, <laughs> it's always fascinating to watch yeah <laughs> like, you can't deny it. yeah um, for sure i mean it's like it's like why i want to watch love island right? <laughs> yeah, yeah okay fair enough <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I totally get, I totally get that impulse. It's why the, it's why the best rock and roll documentary is some kind of monster because it's a band literally <laughs> falling to pieces, falling to pieces, breaking down, and having to go through therapy. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are we actually doing much at the moment? You're watching that that um, BBC drama thing. Oh yeah, I'm watching a BBC drama called Giri Haji, which is like a, a okay. police drama. Like crime, it's like crime, yakuza, gangster, like sort of international drama. It's quite good. Um, we're almost finished with Jane the Virgin. Yeah, which is a great like American adaptation of telenovelas, which is yeah. cool and very very sweet. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, what else? I'm watching Russian Doll with Natasha Leon on Netflix. Which is good. I like that show. It, it, yeah. It's really interesting what dif- different people are binging at the minute. I, I just think it it's a nice, <laughs> easy way to to understand characters a little bit more, what they're into. I've, I'm, I've been watching a lot of serial killer stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I used to listen to loads of true crime, crime podcasts. Yes. Then I was like, right, I'm, I'm actually poisoning my brain. Like, I'm constantly thinking about who's going to 
come and kill me. So I need to chill out. <laughs> well, I've, I've been, I've been working. So interesting though. The fascinating. I'm working. I work from home now, like since lockdown and that kind of stuff. So on my break and stuff, I'll just pop a bit of Netflix on and watch. Uh, Ted Bundy or something like that, and oh, there's a new there's a new one on about a serial killer now that I've been watching. I forget his name. It's a clown killer bloke, and um, my missus keeps walking in after work, and I've got these serial killers on, and she's like, uh, "You're gonna have to start watching something else because I can't deal with this anymore." Uh, <laughs> and, and and she's right. It's kind of like you can get obsessed with things sometimes, can't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm yeah, a very sure. obs- I'm like a very obsessive thought patterns kind of person, so yeah. I'm liable to get too sucked into <laughs> things. Well, I saw a tweet from you recently, Jen, um, and I'm just. Yeah, going, I'm, I'm, I always I'm always like, oh god, what have I said? I'm Whenever just going to read it like, out. I, I found I found this fascinating. It said sometimes I mention I'm on my period when I'm on stage, so the women <laughs> in the audience can see how the men around them react, engage if they're worth shagging. Yeah, yeah, love it's that. true. I do. Think I love that. that. Especially, I thought it was especially effective within with for the skunk and Nancy crowd. Yeah. They're a bit older, so there was a little bit more of a a good entertaining reaction to that. But yeah, that's well, a, how, I think how it, was the reaction? Did did all the men just pull up stupid faces and just like get? Yeah, well, weird? if they if they squirm you know <laughs> that they don't really know their way around that area. And, <laughs> right, okay. You know, they're not, they're not worth taking home. Excellent. Any other tips for the daters out there watching this, Jen? Um, if they don't like my band, that's a red flag. Um, <laughs> dump them immediately. This is this all just your version of the John Waters advice? Oh, yeah. If you go to, yeah. If you go home with somebody and they don't have books, don't fuck them. Don't fuck them. It's a great quote. <laughs> That's a that. very that's a, good, that's a good one. That's a very valuable one. <laughs> so do you feel fresh after the big tour with Skunk and Nancy now then? Uh, <laughs> we've gone straight into demoing, so now we're just like a different type of times. <laughs> sure. Yeah. How, 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 yes. Just go, going back into this big amazing tour that you've been on, it must have been such mm. an experience to be around skin pretty much every day. What kind yeah. of what what kind of experience did you have with her i mean we got sick of them all by the end no, I'm they're really nice they're really nice um yeah they're just really fantastic people to work with and also learn from because they all know exactly what the fuck they're doing yeah um and have just been you know they've been they've been a band for almost 30 years now like mm-hmm. on and off it's just a great opportunity to like watch the inner workings of like a big production like that day in day out and see like how everything works and how like you know if one little cog in the machine goes out of whack it's like all the other cogs have to like you know you know be mm. half an hour quicker to like you know what I mean? you've got like yeah. everyone's got to work together um mm. otherwise the machine doesn't run yeah uh, but yeah, they're all really nice, super accommodating. Yeah, on a professional sense and just on a personal on a personal level, really lovely people. Yeah, I, I got I cried a lot in Lincoln. <laughs> Go on. In Lincoln, because um, I had my uncle coming to watch, and my auntie passed away a few years ago, oh, and it just it. it felt very it felt very poignant. That it was such a big life moment, and she wasn't there, so I uh, I did cry quite a lot, and uh, skin. Um, gave me a hug and gave me some wine and <laughs> and brought your family backstage and brought my family backstage oh, and wow. all of the others were very very you know lovely yes. about the fact that I was an ugly crying mess and 
Uh, we all got really drunk yeah. and we had a great time. Cass tried to kidnap Evan, stop yeah. him leaving because Evan wouldn't finish his drink. Yeah. It was good. How did the opportunity come about? Through our agent. It's something that we'd actually how, been how, like, how did you get an agent? To. How did you get, just going back a little bit before that, how did you get an agent? Oh, yeah. So all of our stuff is Marshall. We're, we're Marshall everything. Yes. Marshall yeah. Live Agency, Marshall mm. Record, um, all our PR, everything is Marshall. Mm. Um, our, our gear, everything. Mm. So that happened because um, a lovely uh, person who used to work at Marshall, Charlotte, she doesn't work there anymore, but she did at the time, had seen us play the year before because she was... Um, used to be involved in running some shows and stuff with our manager mm. back in the day. Like that makes them sound really old. They're literally, the they're literally so younger old. than us, <laughs> but um, they, um, so she knew them through them. And then he sent over some demos and she showed them to the rest of the Marshall team and they liked us. And then it all fell together really, really quickly for us. We were very lucky with that. Um, so yeah, they always like, don't take the first offer because they'll be trying to, pull the wool over your eyes and blah, blah, blah. But for us, they were just like, offered us a really nice development deal and it was yeah. super lovely. And we are like, well, this is kind of perfect. Lucky, lucky us. <laughs> it, it's a great example of just, you know, feeling the strain of being in the industry, thinking, is it worth it? Shall I carry on? Shall I not carry on? Just by sticking with it, mm-hmm. some kind of opportunity is going to come your way if you're working hard enough and you're, and you're, and you're doing it the right way, which sounds like it's another example um for you guys that like working hard and sticking with it does work in the industry it does i think that's like so it took us about three it took us roughly three years to get signed and i'd say my best advice because we were desperate to get signed that whole time because obviously you want you want money behind you mm. and when you're a band who don't have you know spare income you're it's the hardest hurdle to jump. that is the hardest hurdle to jump so we were desperate for it and i think my best advice for people who are in bands wanting to try and get signed is just getting building your audience as much as you can and getting in front of as many eyes as possible because it's all very well and good to go like oh no one's interested in us no one's you know in, like you know no one's supporting the band it's like well have you you know have you shown anyone what you're doing mm-hmm. like make sure you're getting out there make sure you're talking to people um and yeah just focus on growing a fan base and once you've got people who enough fans who are interested in you industry people will naturally come and be like oh what why, why are all these people interested in them what have they got going on so that's yeah that's my best advice what what was the first time going out on stage with skunk and Ansi like a mad rush it was crazy we got to not even, <laughs> uh, a little bit late because uh yeah we just like traffic and mm. and everything so uh, yeah, that particular gig was kind of a bit of a trial by fire because we like didn't even have time for a sound check. Like it was okay. just full on, throw your stuff on stage and then just like jump on when the time comes. Just like five minute line check and then do the set. Yeah. Um, did you meet so Did you meet Skin and the Band before, or were they just doing their own thing? And then for the first time, did you Did you meet them before <laughs> I, the gig? I accidentally met Cass and Ace. Because I accidentally walked into their dressing room <laughs> because it was on the same side, but one door before our dressing room. Mm-hmm. And I accidentally walked in and Ace was eating his tea. And I was like, oh, this isn't my dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were very 
very they were very lovely about it and thought it was quite funny. Um, I think I, I did that with Heaven Seventeen once, and the, and the <laughs> singer was meditating, laying, listening to whale, <laughs> whale, listening to whale music. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> But, hey, I, I was hosting a gig in Sheffield one day and I just walked into the wrong place. So, yeah. <laughs> Backstage is funny because it all looks the same, doesn't it, back there? It's not glamorous, really. It's, it's kind of like, no. it's like like people like, it, like when like before when RGM started picking up, I just wanted to get backstage, backstage. But then when you when you, when you you go backstage a little bit, it's, it's not the but, nicest place to be. No, it's way nicer no. out front. I mean, yeah. sure. some, of the places, some of the places we were in, uh, on tour, the kind of backstage area was like labyrinthine. It was like yeah. Byzantine, these whole buildings with these Byzantine, just like corridors and yeah. basements. It's the way you're like, how far do I have to walk <laughs> to get backstage? Area? It's yeah. like, you know, it's like the going, you're going, there's going to be a minotaur in your room or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I noticed from just catching your socials, and a friend of mine shot you in Sheffield, and we covered you in, uh, at the, the like, uh, Leeds gig. Was did did it feel like you'd up you upped your game because you had to because you were supporting Skunk and Nancy? Did you feel like it elevated you as a band somewhat or gave you more confidence? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it feel it feel it it feels from watching from afar that you grew confidence throughout the tour. I don't. I'm guessing. Oh, absolutely. I'm, we yeah. it was a, we it was a really steep learning curve that tour. Mm. Yeah, it's just a different type of show that you've just not done before. Like, there's there's just a it's just the reality is it's just different. Like being on like the, the stage being bigger. For a start, it's a huge yes. difference. Like, it's, you know, stages being two or three times bigger than any stage we've played before, or like you know, just having that much room, projecting yourself, being performing big enough to get across to the, that, that like amount of people. It's like that thing in like theatre where there's like mm. there's a difference between film acting and theatre acting, and like theatre has got to be bigger because like someone up in the gods can't see a single tear like drop down yeah. your face. Like it's just different, right? Yeah. So I think you know we just got over the course of the tour just got more used to performing in that space mm. and like I mean I certainly got more used to like using the whole stage and running around mm. and yeah in doing that that sort of stuff so what what are you going to take from the experience into the next chapter of Jen and the Degenerates the then there's so we I mean we'll learn so much I feel like actually the performance is what we adapted to quickest mm. we, yeah we always yeah I think it, the things that like the things that I've learned are quite boring yeah, they're not very like, sexy stuff. I mean, one of the the thing that I like will never stop doing is so Skin had lost her voice just before, and she'd gone away, and she she had all these tips. So when my voice got sore, she told me all the things she was doing to look after her voice. I didn't lose my voice in like I didn't even mm. really push my voice or get my voice tired the entire tour. It was you know it was amazing. So that's something I always you know I'm always going to use that those like warming up warm up and voice preservation techniques that she taught me she even gave me a pink yeah. straw like a big pink straw that you like blow bubbles through and that's like that part it. of how you warm up your vocal cords okay so yeah. it like keeps the tubes lubricated and yeah so you do like exercised. a low hum and yeah. it like starts like very gently warming them up and you do it like every you know every 10 minutes for two minutes yeah. for an hour and then by the time you go to do your vocal warm-up you're already kind of there oh, like you've already cool. it's already started warming up so that was great yeah stuff like that and and stuff like alex the the stage manager like um you know telling ev like how to like you know make a drum loom so that all your drum cables for your mics and your drums are just like all together and ready to go mm. and, you know did like, so like proper cable storage and stuff and like yeah you know you know just being yeah. a professional Suppose, yeah, it? make sure 
Yeah, it's all yeah, really unsexy stuff. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like the main thing that we learned. But um, it's important stuff because it, yeah. yeah, it keeps the machine running. Yeah, no. definitely. So, you, so you're demoing now then? Um, yes. Yeah. So new tunes on the way. I've seen you playing some of this feeling festival gigs and that kind of stuff coming up as well. Yeah, yeah. So like you, looks like you've got an exciting summer, he- summer ahead. Yes, definitely. I'm really excited. We've got, yeah, we've got loads of great stuff. Some stuff come through recently that we haven't announced yet that I'm even more excited for. Okay. That we can't say yet, but it's really, really just, yeah, eyes peeled for that because that would yes. be cool. We'll yes. be, sharing, we'll be, sharing, yeah, no, we'll be got... sharing on RGM. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. But yeah, we're really excited. It's, I love the, the change of pace that you get with being a musician. I love that you mm. could be. Yeah. on the road and then for a month and then demoing for a month and then festival season for a month yeah. or longer but I like that I because I like prefer that that constant change like that works better monotony. for me it's like it's like routines but it's like like one routine for a bit and then so that gives you structure and then you like move into a different structure mm-hmm. for another couple of months yeah. and then into something else. Um, it suits me. Well, yeah. Well, I'm really. Festival kind of the hardest, I think, because yeah. that's like the least structured. Yeah. It's the most like piecemeal is going to festivals here and there. So that's the most difficult. Part. Well, we're going to be sharing your stuff all across RGM. We love the journey of a band. We like telling these stories and we really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thanks to Jen and Sean for joining us over Zoom. Really enjoyed that chat. Yeah, so that's another show done and dusted. Do come and join us down at RGM Live on Saturday at Gulliver's. It's two for two tickets. We'll get three people in. There's a deal on. After all festival on Sunday, 22nd at Gulliver's as well, where is the RGM stage. Uh, but there's five different stages, Night and Day, Pierrot, Rose and Monkey, Gulliver's. I'm going to forget one. Uh, but just pop on the socials. You'll see it all there. Um, yeah, loads of music coming up. Have a great week. Enjoy your music. Share a band. Buy some merch. Let's support the music industry scene. And we'll see you next week. Do follow us on Twitter as well, at RGMPod. Thank you. And join us on RGM.press for another week of grassroots music. And we'll see you next Monday, guys. Toodaloo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support.
or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.